0: Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. What are my thoughts on the SBC kicking out churches that have women pastors? How would I best steal man Rosaria Butterfield's critique of my book Embodied, which she thinks is dangerous? What are my go-to podcasts? What's my relationship with John MacArthur and would I ever have him on the podcast? Is social nudity always sinful? Does the Bible have an absolute minimum dress code that would cover all cultures? Folks, this is a Q&A podcast. So my Patreon supporters have sent in literally over 50 questions, most of which I'm going to address on this Q&A podcast. I'm going to address several of them here uh, publicly, and then the rest of the episode, the full-length hour-and-a-half episode, is available only to my Patreon supporters. So if you want to become one, you can go to TheologyInTheRa.com forward slash theology in the raw. get access to the full-length Q&A podcast and many other goodies. Okay, let's dive in. What are my thoughts on the SBC kicking out churches that have women pastors? Okay, um, I, look, several caveats uh, up front. Uh, first of all, I'm not part of the SBC. Um, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't you know, uh, know how these decisions were made. I don't even know what the criteria is for becoming or um, retaining your membership in the SBC. So my opinion shouldn't matter very much at all, but because this was the number one voted question from my Patreon supporters. So this, so they submit tons of questions and then they, get the, they vote on which ones they want me to address. This was the number one voted question. So um, I, I will respond uh, to it. But uh, yeah, big caveat up front. I don't know the ins and outs. And, I, and I'm a big fan of not um, pretending like I know more than I do. I don't know what how the decisions are made behind closed doors. I don't know all the conversations that went into the this decision and these kind of decisions. So I I would uh, definitely encourage you if you're interested in uh, what happened here. Um, to, to you know, ask somebody who actually knows a lot more than I do. So I guess my my, my simple uh, thirty thousand foot response, not necessarily to this specific situation, but maybe to denominations kicking churches out in general, is that denominations should have a clear it should have clear criteria of what it takes to belong to a denomination. And if a church maybe used to believe you know one or all of those criteria, but then no longer does, and if um, if it's required that you believe, you know, X, Y, and Z to become part of the denomination, and if a church no longer believes that, then they should shouldn't be kicked out. They should just leave, right? I mean, if they're like this denomination believes this, it's required that you also believe this to be part of the denomination, and we, that we, as in this individual church, no longer believes this, then I have no problem with that. If if, if you're a Pentecostal church and you're part of the, well, is Pentecostal denomination or or. Yeah. Anyway, if you're you know if you're a Pentecostal church and all of a sudden you you know you through through much prayer and fasting you conclude that the sign gifts the miraculous gifts are no longer for today. That's kind of a big deal to be Pentecostal, right? So if you no longer believe that, then you shouldn't be part of that denomination anymore. Again, I'm not quite sure if Pentecostal is the name for the denomination. Maybe Assembly of God or something like that. If you're part of the Reformed Church of America and you no longer believe in Reformed theology, and if that what reformed theology is, is clearly articulated. And you say, we no longer believe this, then you probably shouldn't be part of the reformed church of America any longer because believing in reformed theology is kind of, kind of a big deal to be part of the reformed church of America. So that that's my general thought is, and, and I'm not here to tell you where to draw those lines. I, I just draw, you know, here draw your lines as a denomination, make it clear. Um, Give biblical reasons why these these are where the lines are, and then I could absolutely respect any denomination that says, "Hey, if a church no longer believes what it takes to be part of the denomination, then you shouldn't be part of this denomination anymore." Now, the big question, the million-dollar question, is: Is that what happened here? In my very brief kind of survey of a few different articles, kind of looking into this a little more, I I think the rub here is that, or at least the debate, from from what I see from a distance, is that the debate is. That it doesn't see, it didn't seem to be that clear that Saddleback and other churches uh, they got kicked out for having women that are called pastors. For me, it's almost from again outside perspective. Fact check me. Take it with a grain of salt. It seems like the title pastor was was kind of the big deal. Like women could be shepherding people, but having the office the office slash title pastor. Was the kind of violation? Um, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, I about uh, function versus title, and and it, is it is it really a good thing if a if a if you don't believe in women pastors, but a woman is pastoring functionally? <laughs> if a woman shouldn't teach or exercise authority over men, and yet. Everybody knows this woman carries a lot of authority in this church, but just as long as you don't call her pastor, then we're good. Like I, I've got other thoughts about that. That's for another podcast. Um. So yeah, going back to this, the, the biggest question that I see from a distance is that it, de- it didn't seem crystal clear that this was kind of the black and white. Here's what we believe. If you no longer believe this anymore, then you're out. I think that's where some of the, um, the frustration was. In, in one article um, that I read, it might've been religious news services or some other, maybe it was an NPR. I don't know. I just, I just, I clicked, I read the first few articles that popped up when I Googled this. So one of the criteria, criteria is plural, criterion is single. So if I say one of the, is it plural criteria or one of the criterion? I can't believe I'm blanking on this. I've read this over and over in writing books and I totally forgot the, the, the correct phrase here. I apologize to my um, Grammar Girl uh, followers. Uh, One article said that in 2014, the denomination's constitution was amended to include only churches with, quote, a faith and practice, which closely identifies with, unquote, the Baptist faith and message. So I'm assuming, and I actually talked to a Southern Baptist friend about this, and he says, it's not, he said, at least it wasn't crystal clear. It's not crystal clear that the Baptist faith and message says women can't be pastors, so I'll let you go, go search around and Google that. Um, but even if it did say women can't be pastors, what does it mean to closely identify with? To me, my personal opinion is that is frustratingly too vague. I would want something black and white, like to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention, your individual, your local church cannot have females that have some kind of title or office. I would even add function. As a pastor, period. If you no longer believe this, then you should not be part of the denomination anymore. If you don't leave, then we have a several month process where we end up kicking out or whatever. Like I would, I would want the whole thing just really clearly laid out so that there's there's no frustration here. Because I mean, honestly, if I say say I was a church that was complementarian and all of a sudden through study of scripture, then you know, I, I said, you know what, I think women can be pastors. I, I, to me, I just, it, that would be such a yawner, but Like, well, of course, we have to leave this denomination. It's you know, no hard feelings, whatever. We're on a different journey, and I think there be it should be very amicable and saying, hey, we're you know, we're reading scripture differently here, but we should have respect for each other, and it shouldn't even it shouldn't have, shouldn't have made the news, you know. So, from my vantage point, it doesn't seem like it it, it was that clear. Um, that there was a clear black and white violation. Again, could be wrong. If you're like, nope, they clearly violated this. They should have left. They shouldn't even had to have been kicked out. Then I will leave that for you to decide. Okay. Next question. This one comes from uh, Clark. How would I best steal man Rosaria Butterfield's critique of my book embodied, which th- she thinks is dangerous. And then he gives a, a link to a, a YouTube clip. Uh, that's about seven minutes long. This is on uh, Becca Cook's um, YouTube channel, Becca Cook. I have mad respect for Becca Cook. I've I've had him on the podcast. I've spoken with him uh, personally on, on we shared the stage together. Um, and it's so it's so it's Becca Cook's podcast or YouTube with Rosario Butterfield and uh, Chris Yuan. Chris Yuan, many of you guys know Chris Yuan, again, another guy who um, has just done amazing, amazing work for the kingdom of God is an amazing testimony. So I love how this question is framed. How would I best steal man her critique of my book? Because um, that's a phrase I often use, steel man. I want to best represent, absolutely best represent the argument and then respond to it rather than try to try to make it sound, uh, try, try to straw man it or make it sound weak or bring out the worst points of this argument. I want to steel man the argument. So I, first of all, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you, if you're interested in my thoughts on this, if you're interested in Rosario Butterfield's uh, critique of my book, the, please go go watch the clip. Don't do not do not rely simply on my interpretation or my analysis of the clip. I would want you to go and listen to her critique, and you evaluate the critique. And I, I would, I mean, this is maybe a big ask, but it would make ideally you would read the book and then listen to the critique. I'm not really a huge fan um, of listening to or reading critiques of books you haven't read yet. I'm not. I'm not. It's not like sinful. I'm not totally against it. I can't say I've never not done that, but I I still want to withhold my my opinion on the book until I actually read the book. Imagine that. We should not judge a book based on a, a critique, but we should judge it based on reading the book and then and then wrestling with maybe how other people responded to it. I think that can be really healthy. Read the book and then say, I'm not, I'm, here's my thoughts. But what are other what what are other smart people saying about this book? And then you interact with those critiques, pro you know, or critiques, cr- critical reviews that are positive, some are negative, whatever. Like, I think that that's the best case scenario. So I would highly encourage you to go do that. Do not take my summary of Rosaria's critique uh, simply on its own. Go look, go watch it for yourself. So, um, and I'm going to be honest and I'm going to try to do my best to steel man, her critique. Um, if I'm being honest, I, I'm still, she, she, her critique came down largely in this seven minute and forty seconds. Clip. What is it? So, uh, I forget. Um, seven plus minute clip. It came down largely to me using quotation marks around the phrase "the fall" when I was discussing the question on two pages of my book: "Is intersex caused by the fall?" Now, I do want to point out. I hope this still falls under the umbrella of steel man. That this is a a subsidiary point to my book. My book is not on intersex conditions um, or the medical term is disorders or differences of, of sex development. I have a chapter on intersex um, because intersex conditions are often um, brought into the conversations surrounding uh, transgender identities. Um, so I address basically since we know intersex people exist, people with a disorder of sex development, Um, And there's a range of these disorders, 16 to 20 different disorders of sex development. Most of them are very minor to the point to where somebody... Okay, sorry. A disorder of sex development is where somebody develops some kind of atypical feature in their sexual anatomy and or their sex chromosomes. Most of these disorders are very minor. Uh, They present little to no ambiguity in whether somebody is biologically male or female. There are some much more uh, significant... Disorders of sex development, like uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome, I'm getting off the rails. So, so, so yeah, intersex. Most people with one of these conditions very minor. Some people have very severe uh, conditions. Some may even have full male and female sexual anatomy, secondary sex characteristics. Um, so, you know, the question of whether they're a male, male or female can be um, much more difficult to answer. This it was a, a bit of a detour. Talking about intersex, but because the argument goes, since we know intersex people exist, therefore, and then there's lots of different logical deductions people make from that, therefore, you know, therefore uh, trans people exist, therefore people can be born in the wrong body, therefore not everybody is male or female, and therefore trans identities are legitimate. And there's lots of kind of directions people go from that. Um, and each one would bring up his own kind of philosophical and theological assumptions. Okay, So so I addressed that in one chapter of the book. And at the end of that chapter, I raise a question, is intersex caused by the fall? It, so this question is a, a distant... I mean, it, it didn't even need to be in the book, really. Honestly, the whole book could stand on its own without even... I, I think it's important to address intersex because it's so often woven into the conversation. But again, the book isn't on intersex, it's on transgender identities. The question of whether intersex is caused by the fall was almost—I almost didn't even include it. It's just that whenever you bring up intersex within five seconds, usually that's the question—that's a question that comes up. So I, I, I like to, in my books, I like to address questions that I know people are going to have in their minds, even if they're not directly relevant to like an argument that I'm making or whatever. So that's where this this two-page section comes in, and in on page 125 at the top of the page, I use quotation marks around the phrase "the fall." And, and go watch the video, um, Rosaria, from my um, vantage point, this is my steel manning of her argument. She was, she was very passionate about these quotation marks. She, was, she seemed visibly passionate in the sense that very... Well, she, she said, and I quote, you know, who does that? Like, and it, like who uses quotation marks around um, the phrase, the fall? because oh she called them scare quotes and she later says you only use scare quotes around something you don't actually believe in so the problem here if i can uh, if i'm interpreting rosaria correctly is she uh, believes that by, by me putting quotation marks around the fall that i don't believe in the fall and she says who does that and she was you know vi- visibly very passionate about this uh, what she would see as problematic and chris yuan jumped in immediately and says what christian does that an atheist would do that um, I, am not, you know, somebody could say he just, you know, Chris Yuan just called me not a Christian. He called me an atheist. I am not saying that. I think he, if my best reading to Chris Yuan's response and Rosaria is I am acting like doing something that only atheists and non-Christians do, but I don't think they're making a claim about my personal salvation or beliefs in or not in a God. So that, that's, that, that's, that was the, that is the essence of her critique. But, and, and this is, again, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to steal my because that was the, the extent of that. the seven-minute conversation was really around me not believing in the fall. Now, I will say the rest of that t- two-page question of whether intersex is caused by the fall, a uh, couple responses. Number one, I didn't use, well, three, three things. Number one, maybe this is on clarity on my part. I, I'm totally, I, I will totally own that if it's on clarity on my part. I do believe in the fall. Um, in fact, throughout the rest of the two pages of that section, I don't use quotation marks around the phrase, the fall. The fact that I did use quotation marks around the fall and that at the very top of page 125 was not in my heart. Like my, my intention was not to imply. To me, they weren't scare quotes. They were just simply quotes surrounding a technical phrase. Like if I talked about, well, a, <laughs> I almost said like the big bang theory. <laughs> Put quotation marks around Big Bang or something, and someone says, "See, you know, you, I don't, I don't know, people reading that, but um, yeah, I, it, 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 if I remember correctly, when I, the reason why I used quotation marks was not to it's to say, ooh, the fall, like some people believe in the fall, like that was not at all what I was trying to say. It was more quotation marks around a technical phrase. I guess I could have used maybe I, I, I could have italicized the phrase, maybe that would have been better in writing. Sometimes quotation marks or ital- italic. Atomic marks can, can convey the same thing. So um, the rest of the chapter, I talk about the fall without using quotation marks. In fact, just logically, the very question, is intersex caused by the fall, sort of implies that I believe in the fall. Otherwise, I wouldn't raise the question in the first place. I would just say there is no fall, so well, this is a dumb question. So the rest of the two pages that I wrestle with this question is assuming that there is a thing called the fall because that form is the very question that I'm wrestling with. So yeah, I think um, you know, Rosario goes on to say that it, it, from my best understanding of Rosaria, this, just asking the question is is problematic. We should never even ask the question. We should just assume, obviously, it's so obvious. It, I think in her mind, it'd be like asking, it does two plus two equals four? Well, you know, some people disagree. And, and you're like, what are we doing? Why why are we even raising this question? That That's, I think, how she's how she was responding to this chapter. She's perplexed that I would even ask the question, is intersex caused by the fall? And and Chris Yuan, you know, supportively throws in, you know, and he's a theologian, which seems to imply that I'm not just a Christian, but a theologian. Like I, I, I should not even, I should know better, you know, than to ask this question. Um, and then Rosario responded, yeah, you might say that. You might say is a theologian. I mean, my interpretation my best interpretation is that she was being a little cynical there. Like my credentials or my uh, track record as a theologian is is subpar. In the chapter, I do use the phrase um, in that two page section. Um, you know, I do say that others, some think that intersex is caused by the fall. Others think that intersex is part of God's original design. I don't believe this personally, but that, that some people do say that. I think even. And Rosaria jumped in and says, "Yeah, but they're heretics. Heretics believe transgenders are this is quote sorry so quote they are heretics. Heretics believe transgenders are part of God's original design." Unquote. Now that was from Rosaria. Um, that I, I am I I wasn't even talking about transgender people or identities at that point. I'm talking specifically about, specifically about intersex. So I don't know why genuine question. I I don't know why she brought in transgenders. I wouldn't use the plural transgenders. That's kind of like, to my mind saying like the gays. It's just a little odd, but that's the phrase she used. So that's, that's, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. So I think it seems like my steel man here is that, um, it doesn't seem like, it seems like, again, raising the very question, even even acknowledging that some people believe intersex is part of God's original design is is problematic. Okay. She goes on to say, you know, quote, this is not a Christian book and it is not Christian theology. It is part of a new age understanding where Jesus becomes one of the names on the coexist bumper sticker. Whenever you want to make Jesus part of a non-binary faith, that's not Jesus. You think it's good for Preston to lead others into hell bound bondage? You think it's good for our children, our churches? is how, uh, towards the end of the quote, some questions that she raises. So, uh, that's my best steel man case of, uh, my, um, of her argument against my, um, book. She did say kind of in passing that this is one sample, you know, um, cause some people could say, well, why she's not even critiquing your book. She's critiquing a quote, the quotation marks surrounding the fall in a two page section that isn't anywhere, isn't even part of your main argument at all. It's not even what the book's about. So my best steel man is that she's taken this as a sample and, but she believes the whole book is shot through with this kind of, with this kind of stuff. So again, read the book, make your own decisions. Definitely read the clip, watch the clip, watch the clip a few times. I watched it a few times and I'm I i, I um, I'm very confident in my audience forming an educated and gracious and truth-filled opinion about um, Rosaria's critique in my book. Okay. Next question. Okay, this one comes from Alex. Uh, when Paul says, I do not permit a woman, uh, why do we not treat that similarly to when he says that about, I say it's good not to marry? Okay, so there's two phrases here. I do not permit a woman, I think he's referencing First Timothy 2:12. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over, over a man. Why do we not treat that the same as when he says uh it's good not to marry? Okay. Um, I, I think if uh, I, I, Alex, I think is suggesting or implying or questioning. You know, we take one as a command: women shouldn't teach or exercise authority or a man. We t- we take another as a suggestion or as an opinion. It's good not to marry. Okay. So my my quick my quick thought here is that um, I, I think I think these are v- quite different phrases, and the contexts are very different. So the context of I do not permit a woman, um, you know, I, I do not permit a woman feels more, I mean, it's a command, right? It's, it's I do not permit. Like if I told my kids, I do not permit you to drive my car, that is a command. Like, do not drive my car. If you do, then you're doing something wrong. The whole, I, you know, it's good not to marry is situated in a very different kind of context where he's not commanding people not to marry. Where he is commanding people not to permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. So, and I know some of you are pulling your hair out right now. Um, so, a couple of things with <laughs> there's lots of debates even surrounding. I do not permit a woman to exercise teach or exercise authority over a man. Questions about the word teach. Questions about the word authority. Questions about the the nature of the command. Not whether it's a command or not. I do not permit. But whether it is a more localized situational command, as in for you churches in Ephesus right now, I'm not permitting a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but it's not some, some would interpret this, the nature of the phrase as is, this is not some kind of universal, like thou shalt not commit adultery kind of universal transcultural command for all time of all place. So there, there is even a debate about this, the nature of the command in first Timothy two 12, but, but it is a command it's, 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 there's something here that do not do this. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed this portion of the Patreon-only Q&A podcast. If you would like to listen to the full-length episode and receive other bonus content like monthly podcasts, opportunities to ask questions, access to first drafts of my research, and monthly Zoom chats and more, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw to join Theology in the Raw's Patreon community. That's patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw.